Welcome to our Rock City Church podcast. We are so excited to have you join us. Our desire is that you would listen with expectancy for what God wants to do in your life. We pray that you would encounter the mighty love of the Father and that you would be fired up for the more that He has for you. All right. Well, good morning, everyone. It's great to see you. And I'm so glad that all of you are here. Welcome to all of our first-time visitors and everybody that's watching online. We're starting a new series today for the next four weeks titled Light of the World. And today we're going to talk about sitting in darkness. All of us have probably sat in darkness at one point or another, and some of you may be sitting in darkness right now. Darkness can be described as a lot of things in a lot of different ways. And uh, in order to truly understand the power of the light, we have to really take a look at the darkness that sometimes we're in or we've been in. And if you're in darkness, you're in the right place today because God has hope, life, peace, health, and strength for you. You just got to take it. And the key is to move out of position and stop sitting in the place of darkness. Here's some definitions of darkness or being darkened. First, you can't see, you can't think, and you have no understanding. It's to be blind. It's to not know. It's to be clueless. It's to feel distant. It means to be deprived of light. So darkness is an absence of light. But here's the unique thing about people is that we're made of light. And so when God speaks into the midst of darkness, he literally commands light to come out of the darkness. So sometimes you feel like you're hopeless, which is another understanding for darkness. But the truth is, is you're actually never hopeless. You may feel that way, but it's a lie. You may feel stuck in addiction, but it's a lie. How do I know? There's tons of people in this room right now that have come out of addiction. All right. I like the feedback, yes. So even though darkness is defined as an absence of light, you're not actually, actually deprived of the light because you are light. When God put his DNA inside of mankind and made man in the image and likeness of himself, literally inside our DNA is light. And when we give our lives to Christ, we become that light to the world around us. We're going to be talking about this over the next four weeks. But when it comes to darkness and being darkened, we're specifically referring to eyesight. It literally means I cannot see. And that lack of eyesight means that we become ignorant to divine understanding and divine truths, which ultimately lead us to immorality and ungodliness. So the longer that I can't see, the longer that I hear a lie, that lie ultimately becomes a truth to me. And now I can't see right from wrong. And so I have no divine understanding about God, about myself, about his plan, about his purpose. Any of you ever been there? Maybe some of you are there today. If it doesn't lead to ungodliness or immorality, what it does lead is a futile attempt to lead myself. So if I can't see and I'm not hearing and I don't know what God's doing, then the natural default is to lead yourself. That's the curse from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil is it puts us in charge. It puts our intellect and our decision-making in the lead instead of God's headship and lordship in the lead. Darkness can also be defined as obscurity, a place that's uncertain, a place where you don't discover or know anything about what God's doing or saying. It's a place that's hard to make known. It's a shady place. Many of us have been shady at one time or another. When you see shady, you become shady. That's a good word right there. That's a good word right there. 
I'm trying to keep this really simple. I know this is an intense topic, but you got to understand this series is going to build for four weeks, okay, because we're getting to the birth of Christ, and we're going to understand the light that's come into the world, but we're going to start with this mindset of sitting in the place of darkness. The word sit in the, both the Hebrew and Greek understanding is I made it my dwelling place. I wasn't just moving through. I stopped and sat, took a seat. So today we're going to get you moving through and moving out of that seat. The problem with darkness is that it's a deceptive lie on so many levels, but also when darkness comes, we choose to stay there instead of move through and away from it. So let's talk about some types of darkness. My wife and I, I picked my wife's brain last night because she thinks so different than I do. And I wanted to, if I wanted to hear her definition of darkness, and of course, Here's some of the things that she gave me. First was despair, feeling hopeless, hurt, being overwhelmed or being wronged, especially by somebody that you really love, especially by somebody that you know should know better. You can't understand why they would keep doing what they're doing. It's terrible situations. She used a little bit of different verbiage for that, but I changed it. It's terrible situations. It's being weak and feeling weak and powerless. It's being in pain. It's being abused or abandoned. These things can lead to suicidal thoughts, thinking that your life is not valuable, that people would never miss you, that nobody cares. Some of you have battled and wrestled with suicidal thoughts here today. Maybe you are right now. Depression, addiction, self-preservation. In the context of self-preservation, specifically it's hiding and isolating yourself because you don't want to get hurt again. Everybody's jacked up. Everybody's just going to hurt you. Everybody's out for their own selves. Can't even trust people in the church. Everybody's messed up. Nobody's good. Nobody's for me. So we just hide and isolate ourselves, which leads to a way even worse darkness in your life. It leads to hurting others because you treat, tend to treat others the way that they treat you. And a string of broken relationships, it's incredible fear and shame, and it all stems from feeling like I'm not covered and I'm not protected. It's naked and afraid. It's nobody's for me. Nobody cares for me. I have to watch my own back. And those are all the deceptive lies of Satan and the deceptive lie that came from the curse of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. As soon as Adam and Eve saw that they were naked or uncovered, what did they do? They hid from God. But see, the deceptive lie of darkness is that you need to hide. The, the lie is, is that if your deeds got exposed, the consequence would be terrible for you. If people really knew, then we wouldn't like you, you wouldn't have friends, we wouldn't want to be around you, we think you're a hypocrite, which one of the biggest lies of the devil is calling Christians hypocrites. So what, you need to stop doing that. Most people genuinely want to do the right thing when it comes to their life in Christ, especially if they've given their life to the Lord. Everybody struggles with overcoming their past. Familiar spirits from your past continue to try to drag you into the way that you used to be. I don't know when does it stop. I mean, I've been walking with the Lord for 28 years and it hasn't stopped. The devil still tries to define me by my past or throw something in front of me to get me to think the way that I used to think or act the way that I used to act. And so it's important for you to understand that the minute that God busted Adam and Eve, what's the first thing he did? He covered them with a sacrifice immediately in the garden. 
He took off the fig leaf, which was going to wither away, which would never cover you, so you'd have to keep replacing it with other things. And he put something on that was permanent. Whew, man, got chills on that one. So some of the things I'm about to share with you is a little heavy. Just bear with me. Okay, this is a church that rescues people out of darkness. And we're not pretending here today. You know who needs to come here? The mentally ill. You know who needs to come here? Those sitting in darkness. You know who needs to come here? Those that have no hope. So if I'm only preaching to the same Christians every week, we've got a problem. This is why you should invite those that are broken and outcasts and don't know the Lord or hurting in addiction, hurting in broken relationships. You know what? It may not be for everyone. And it, that friend you invite may not be ready or may not like me or this church, but so what? You may be the only Jesus that they see. And even if they came and didn't like it, you keep loving them and you don't take it personal. There's so much spiritual warfare that goes on in this atmosphere. Why? Because we're rescuing people. And the presence of God is here. And the presence of God draws the good, the bad, and the ugly. And not everybody you're sitting next to is a part of Rock City. They're visiting too. Or they're working through their own issues. So you got to love well. You need to love better. Love covers a multitude of sins. That's why you've got to be unified and stop gossiping. You can find a thousand things to nitpick about God, the Bible, Christians, and church. And we do our best to be healthy, but you need to do your best to love and to love well and see things the way God sees things. So there's two types of people here. There are those that have been walking with the Lord that come here every week that are part of this church. And there are those of you that are visiting and trying to decide if this is where God wants you to stay. There are those that are hurting in addiction Every week we invite people here that are lost and broken and outcasts and have no aim in their life, no direction. So the Bible has a lot to say about how people get to a place of darkness and how they make the decision to choose to stay there. There's so many reasons why. Despair, lack of encouragement, lack of friendship, lack of understanding about the father's heart, things from their past, how they were raised, their view of God. I mean, you go out and talk to a thousand people that don't go to church or hear these types of messages and say, tell me what you think about God. Can you imagine what you're going to hear? Because people have a lens on their soul about who God is. And that lens is often focused based on how they were raised. So if you were raised Catholic, you'll have a Catholic lens on your soul. If you were raised Baptist, you'll have a Baptist lens on your soul. If you were abused by a pastor, imagine if you were sexually abused by someone in ministry. Think about the lens that's on that person's soul. So those are all hurdles that we have to overcome. And that only comes by bringing the cross and the healing power of God to the souls of people's lives by getting them born again and bringing the Holy Spirit into their life. Let's look at Romans chapter 1, verse 18 through 21. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men, who, number one, suppress the truth in unrighteousness. The truth is always being revealed everywhere around us at all times. God's truth is revealed through his creation. God's truth is revealed actually in your own body and in the creation of you. And what everybody makes a choice to do is suppress it. Now, a lot of people don't know the truth because they've never heard the truth. But God has put an innate DNA inside of every single person to long for and desire what truth really is. But people choose for various reasons to press it down or suppress it and not believe it or listen to the truth. Why? Well, verse 19. Because what may be known of God is manifest in them. That's what we just talked about. So there's so many things that's manifest in our own lives that can reveal God to people. Eyeballs, the process of birthing a baby, right? DNA, everything about us. God is clearly revealing himself through what he made. You are his creation, Verse 20, 
For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and the headship and the lordship and the kingship of God over all the earth. So God's revealing himself by the things that have been made. They're cl- the, the Bible says they're clearly seen so that they're without excuse. So nobody has an excuse. No one. And God still uses the things that are made today in creation to reveal himself. Right. Which that's why so many people say, well, my church is on a mountain. Or my church is walking on the beach or on a boat fishing or because it's, you can see and feel God in what he's created. But the problem is you come into a house like this and there's hurting, broken people, many of which are laying claim to God, but have a lot of issues. And the devil uses that to push people further away to get them to believe, well, the Christians are only hypocrites, all the church is broken, they have nothing to offer me and they're all the same. That's a deceptive lie. God uses the weak things of this world to confound the wise. The church is one of the weakest things in the world. You are the church, so you are incredibly weak. How dare we point fingers at other people when you're the weakest of them all? Oh, you don't want to defend that with me. Look at the nation of Israel. If you just study the nation of Israel, it's a phenomenal picture of a weak, frail, foolish people that God picked to demonstrate his power and love to. And in their best day, in their own strength, they never could have become who they become today. It was only because of covenant promise that God made them who they are. And it's the same for you. So where does this mindset come from that, man, I got to be strong? Your only strength comes from who you are in Christ. The problem is the world system is selling you a lie. And much of it's coming right through what's in your hands on Facebook and Instagram, TikTok, Snapchat, and social media. So there's no excuse. Verse 21, although they knew God, They did not, so this is such powerful scripture. Man, you got to meditate on this verse 21. They knew God, but they didn't glorify him as God, nor were they thankful when it was painful. Because when it got hard, the devil came in and we believed lies. We suppressed the truth and we made the choice to go our own way. Alcohol and drugs and addiction, all those things are not the problem. They're the result of a problem. Broken marriages are the result of the problem. Nasty, mean, hurting people are the result of a problem. So they weren't thankful and they didn't glorify him as God. What does it mean to glorify him as God? This isn't nice Christianese where you're always talking out of your mouth God stuff, but you don't live it. This is an understanding from your heart of the headship and lordship of Christ no matter what you do or where you go, because you're going to bomb it and you're going to make mistakes. Pick, pick yourself up out of the shame and stop believing the lies because you think this is, it's like, oh, this is going to be the last time. But then when the next time comes, you fall more into despair and then you pull out of it and then another time comes. And more and more what God's trying to teach you is that he loves you no matter what and you're never condemned. Stop condemning. I'm going to hit this thing till I'm blue in the face. The only reason why I'm here is not because I had it all figured out and I'm so great. It's because I learned the love of God and the pleasure of God and the power of the cross that was always there with me. See, God doesn't, he's not a schizophrenic God. He wasn't here with you a year ago on a Sunday morning, but not today or last night. He's not there today, gone tomorrow. Where does that lie come from? Oh, man, I sinned. God left me. Really? Where's that at in the Bible? Because I'll show you where it says he never leaves you or forsakes you. I'll show you where it says the eyes of the Lord roam to and fro, beholding the good and the evil. I'll show you that when God marks you, he loves you. He's not caught by surprise. He's looking at you, not the sin, because he loves you. And he pulls you out every, he buys you out every time. Sin sells you to slavery, but God buys you out every time. Every time's every time. Say every time. Every time. 
But in your mind, it wasn't the last time. And you can't give yourself penance and cut yourself enough with the razor blade and dance around and put more pain on yourself, which is an antichrist spirit, because you're now you're trying to bring the pain to yourself. So you may not be cutting yourself in the natural, but you're cutting yourself in the spiritual. How? Shame, condemnation, sad, gloomy faces. You got a warped perception of God. So you come in and you don't worship. Man, I've been hitting this hard because I see so many people come in and out and are struggling and fighting. In the midst of the struggle, if you just get your hands up and start saying thank you and be thankful when it's painful, you'll see God move on your, your behalf. Look at the scripture. It all pointed to lordship and gratitude. All hell's breaking loose, marriages falling apart, kids went astray. I bombed it and blew it the other night. What's the choice? You can fall into, sh now I'm not talking about myself, I'm giving a scenario. I'm role playing. This is how I figure this stuff out. Because I feel what so many of you feel. You feel distant from God, you're not living on fire, you make mistakes, so you fall into shame and condemnation. You have been sold a bill of lies from religion. And guess what? You know where that religion is? It's in you and it's all around this house because everybody carried something in when they walked into this place. And every week we have to overcome the lies of what other people are feeling and thinking and then your own heart and then the truth. And it all comes together. It all converges in one place at one time. And then you feel it, especially if you're a seer. If you're highly sensitive in the spirit, you can feel in the atmosphere stuff going on around you, can't you? You're sitting next to a whole bunch of people. And then what's the devil do? He focuses the target on me, leaders, the church. It's all messed up. Run for your life. People walk in here all the time. And man, as soon as the heat gets turned on, we start turning up the dial from, you know, 150, 250, 350, 450. And man, people run out the back of the store or they just cloud out. Shady comes into the room. But see, that's the deceptive lie to keep you back from the truth, to keep you seated in the place of darkness. But I'm gonna, we're going to fight that. We pray in this atmosphere. We pray in this church. We worship. We warfare so that every single one of us, including myself, will not make the decision to stay put, but will get up and move forward. I've sat in the place of darkness. And sometimes when I'm walking through darkness, I make the choice to take a seat. And then every time God says, ah, 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 get up and get moving forward. Now, that's why most of you are here watching online. But there's a lot of people that come and go. And there's a lot of people that will stay here in this house, but still seated in a place of darkness. We've got to get you out of that place. So because they didn't thank, weren't thankful, nor did they understand and glorify God in the midst of it all, they became futile in their mind. So everything starts with your mind. That's why we're going to conclude this with repentance. Repentance means to change the way that you think. Stop thinking the way... See, I work very hard to get you to change the way you think, but the only way I can get it to stick is if you get a heart change. I will, get your, I will work very hard to get your thinking changed in a service. I'm a high influencer. I'm going to work real hard on it. But if you don't get a heart change, you're going to... I have preached hundreds and hundreds of messages, probably a thousand or more. And people say, man, that was such an awesome message. And the very people that will tell me it was so good will continue to stay in the place of darkness over months and sometimes years and never shift or change. Some will tell me, man, it was the best message I ever heard. And a month later, leave. So what I learned is it doesn't matter how good I preach today. I may convince you, I may influence you, and I may shift you. But if you don't surrender all and go all in with the headship and lordship of Christ and get thankful and get your hands up and start hearing God's voice, then this is nothing but a good TED talk. John chapter three, verse 19. Jesus prior to this says, hey, I'm not coming to condemn the world. So think about this. The world's so jacked up, 
God sends his only son, and, he, and he, Jesus, the son, says, I'm not here to condemn the world. I didn't show up to condemn the world. Why? Because the world's already condemned. Now, the word condemnation means crisis. It means it's a, the world is in total chaos and crisis. We are a picture of the world pre-Christ. You are the world pre-Christ. Condemned, broken, outcast, and in crisis. And this is the condemnation. This is the worst situation that can be, happen, is that the light came into the world, but men chose or loved darkness rather than the light because their deeds were evil. Now, everybody's deeds are evil, in a sense, without Christ. It doesn't mean I'm not doing good things, but the motivation and the heartbeat behind it and what I, why I do it is ultimately evil. The heart is evil, so that you know, okay? Now, when you come to Christ, he gives you a new heart, but it's prone to or tends to, that's why we have to consistently renew our mind, stay in the pocket of his love, the word, worship, warfare, the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. You don't ever get the freedom to just back down because the devil's not backing down. And when eternity comes, when you die, you'll get to rest on another level. Now, you can stay rested now. That's the great news. You can warfare in a rested position because of who you are now. So people love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. And so why would anybody, besides the fact that their deeds were evil, choose to love darkness more than light? There's a whole lot of reasons. That's a whole nother can in of itself. You know, some people just love to constantly live in a world of hurt and pain for a whole lot of reasons. Always sick, always needing help, always got a problem. People always run into the rescue. We understand that sin is pleasurable in the moment. Our, it appeases our flesh. It feels good in the moment. But in the end, it leads to death. And so people... Instead of loving the light, which in turn will pull you out of and set you free from the darkness, we choose to stay in the darkness for all kinds of reasons. And that is a total crisis. Verse 20, for everyone practicing evil hates the light and does not come to the light lest his deeds should be exposed. Now, I want you to notice the word practicing evil. This jumps out to me because this isn't referring to those of you that have given your life to Christ or today will give your life to Christ and stumble and make mistakes and fall short. If you feel convicted, if you're feeling a conviction or an admonishment from the Lord, if you are feeling bad about what you've done, you're in a great spot. You shouldn't stay consistently feeling bad, but that feeling of remorse leads you to repentance, which leads you to salvation. But don't stay in that spot, okay? Move forward out of it. But the fact that you'd even feel that way shows me God's working in your life. Because look at this. I don't want to practice evil, but sometimes I've done evil things. Right? I don't think anybody in this room wants to practice it. Now, you'll practice it by rejecting the lordship of Christ and continuing to be ungrateful. But chances are highly likely you wouldn't even be here or listening to me if you wanted to keep practicing evil. So everyone practicing evil hates the light and does not come to the light that his deeds may be clearly seen. I'm sorry. But he who does the truth comes to the light that his deeds may be clearly seen, that they have been done in God. So what I have learned and understand is to always run to the light no matter what, because light brings comfort, light brings strength, light brings healing. Yes, it may expose it so that it can be healed. God reveals it so that he can heal it. And I've been saying that a lot to you lately, 
because I'm realizing more and more, even in spiritual warfare, when stuff starts coming to the surface, this is God saying, I love you enough to not leave you the same. Yes. And you're like, why is all this happening to me? Because says, God loves you enough. He's not going to let you stay where you're at. Yes. Oh, but it's so hurtful and painful. Yeah, he's exposing the darkness, but he's pulling the, you, the light, out of the darkness. He's removing the blinder off your eyes so that the light can come in. But the devil's constantly trying to blind people's eyes so that they can't see. So we speak truth and light and preach the gospel to pierce that darkness and those, so that those scales will come off. The light will enter in and they'll come up and out of it. So the key is to run to the light, not from it. That means find people that you can love and trust. Confess your sins to one another. Find a safe place. Run to the Lord every day and night. No matter how much you bomb it or screw it up, run to him. Get out of your shame and pity party victim mentality and stop sitting down and dwelling and letting the darkness inhabit you while you inhabit its place. That's not who you are anymore. And once you say yes to Jesus, it'll never be the same, will it? It doesn't matter. It's never the same as it once used to be. And the longer you trust God and run to the light, the more God prunes it out and the less it becomes of you. Now, I don't know the, how long that takes, but what I do know is in an instant, God sees you as perfect because of the cross and the blood, and now he sanctifies you in the process. That's why I tell you, don't give up, don't back down, stay the course, stop believing the lies, and do not make the darkness your dwelling place. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 17 through 20. So with the wisdom given to me from the Lord, I say, you should not live like the unbelievers around you who walk in their empty delusions. Their corrupted logic has been clouded because their hearts are so far from God. Their blinded understanding and deep-seated moral darkness keeps them from the true knowledge of God. Because of spiritual apathy, they surrender their lives to lewdness, impurity, and sexual obsession. What does spiritual apathy mean? The word apathetic means to have a disdain for. It means to reject. People reject prophecy because maybe they've seen prophecy done wrong or they think it's abnormal. I talked with a guy yesterday who grew up Southern Baptist, visited on a supernatural night, said all that prophecy stuff and dream stuff, all that was, I was raised Southern Baptist. That's a little too much for me. So reverting back to tradition or not understanding or not believing or not liking or not trusting or not understanding because of darkness in their heart or because of a choice to say, hey, I don't know what that is. I don't want it. I don't like it. They reject it. I was talking with Dave the other day. Back in the day, in a million years, he never would have thought he'd be coming to this church. Guess where he's at? Because of what God started doing in his own heart and his own life. Because he said he can't stay the same. And God in his love and his mercy began to draw him. Now these things become normal because he's hungry. His eyes are open. He wants it. He's desperate for it. God's got him in the right place for it. Now there's no more darkness. And he's in the process of discovery instead of rejecting the discovery. Because when it comes to doctrine, I'll go toe-to-toe -to -toe with any theologian about any of this stuff that I teach. It's not haphazard teaching. I live this, I know it, and I've given my life to it. So you want to talk about the power of God, signs, wonders, miracles? We'll talk about charismaniac stuff where people go off the rails and do silly stuff, and some stuff's going to happen here that's like, man, I don't know about that. And there's stuff that I bring people in, and I say, well, I don't know about that. <laughs> And then I have to decide, okay, do I want to have those people back? Is that something I want to embrace? Or is that not something I want to embrace? But the best thing I can do is introduce you to different types of teachings and people and even belief systems sometimes. The problem is, is when you're really young in the Lord, you'll be carried about by various winds of doctrine, like cessationism. That this stuff's not real, it's not for today, it stopped with the apostles. Okay, show me that in the Bible. So people walk in their own empty delusions. They have blinded understanding. Hearts are far from God. They're seated. Notice this. Go back to 18. Their, their blinded understanding is deep-seated 
in moral darkness, which keeps them from the true knowledge of God. Then they become spiritually apathetic. So you just question everything. Now, it's okay to test the spirits and question things. But the problem is they're being questioned with an apathetic, you know what's another better word? Is skepticism. I'm a skeptic. Now, you should test, but what I would test is I would look at the fruit of people's lives. Look at their marriage, look at their kids, look at their home, look at how they love, look at how they care. And no one in this room is perfect. No one. And the minute you point one finger at somebody, you got three more pointing right back at yourself. But I love verse 20. But this is not the way of life that Christ has unfolded or revealed to you, in a sense, through the light. Matthew 4, 16. This is going to be the premise of this entire series. The people who sat in darkness have seen a great light. And upon those who sat... In the region of the shadow of death, light has dawned. So who is sitting right now in darkness? Any of the darkness that I've described. Who's sitting in the shadow of death? Have you lost a loved one this last year or in the last few years? Are you still in pain about the loss of a child or a family member many, many years ago? Do you feel like you're dying? There are people subject to the fear of death literally every night afraid that they're going to die the fear of cancer, the fear of some disease, the fear of COVID, the next pandemic, the next virus, the next thing. It's a constant world of fear repeatedly that you're never getting out of. So you're choosing to sit in it. You've got to understand taking a seat, you are out of position. That's not the seat you're supposed to be sitting in. Christ put you in a different seat. Woo, yeah, you got to see this. I'm not even going to get to that. The fact that Christ has seated you with him at his right hand in heavenly places. You're in two places at once. You know that? Two places at one time. You're here and there. And he didn't go, oh man, you really screwed it up. He kicked that chair out from underneath you. But you feel like the chair got kicked out from underneath you because darkness is a liar. Oh man, if you really knew, man, what I did and where I went and what I saw. And then you're living as if Christ kicked the seat out from under you. Here's an even worse scenario is when his sons and daughters and his family and his leaders and believers kick the seat out from underneath you. How many of you got the seat kicked out from underneath you? Well, You can choose to be bitter and angry and curse them and talk trash about them on Facebook. You can choose to leave the church or maybe you can get back in your seat and sit where God tells you to sit and stop running around and let God love you right in the midst of the place he's put you because he put David in a place where he got the seat kicked out from underneath him. And then he almost kicked the seat out from Saul by cutting cutting the hem of his garment. And then he was so convicted. How could he dare touch God's anointed? Wait, God's anointed was so jacked up? Yeah, go read Tale of Three Kings. Read it over and over and over again. Buy the book today. Read it. You'll read it in one night. Over and over and over again. And maybe you'll stop cursing pastors and leaders and understand that you need to be spirit-led and go where God tells you to go. And I wish I'd be the most perfect pastor on the planet, but guess what? I'm not. And many times I have to wrestle with feeling like I'm not a very good pastor, but it doesn't matter. I don't have to be. I just have to be true to myself and who God's called me to be. Because I can't compare myself to the pastor down the street or what a last pastor did. And you got to get out of the box and stop thinking everybody needs to be the way everybody else was or you think they should be. The people who sat in darkness have seen a great light. And upon those who sat in the region of the shadow of death light has shined. You know, when I think about sat, here's a great word for sat. It's the word sedentary. You know what sedentary means? I've become inactive, stationary. There's no movement. (sighs) 
I spent too much time in the place of darkness and I took a seat and now I've become inactive and I never move. For some people, it's for a lifetime. They never move. But everybody says to me, say, say it with passion, all right? It's time to move. It's time to move. Woo, say it again. It's time to move. Psalm 107, verse 10 through 11. Those who sat in darkness and in the shadow of death bound in affliction and irons because they rebelled against the word of God and despised the counsel of the Most High, no more despising, no more making the choice to sit in the shadow of death. Let's break the chains of affliction and irons through the cross and the blood and surrendering all and saying yes to Jesus. Psalm 23, 4, those who walked through the valley of the shadow of death. We walk through. Say, I'm walking through. But I'm not sitting down. You know, I have this, go back to the graphic for this message today. You know, the thinker by Rodin is an incredible sculpture that has some insane, incredible meaning to it. Originally designed to sit on the top of a 20-foot double door sculpture titled The Gates of Hell from Dante's Inferno. All hope is lost for those who enter through those doors into the gates of hell. And the premise of the thinker is not just philosophy or pondering the things of life. The premise of the thinker is that when I choose to put my own self in the position of intelligence, put my own self in the position as God or leader, I'm entering in through the gates of hell into a place where there's no hope and no despair because on your own, you can never do it on your own. Some say it's actually a picture of Adam contemplating what happened when he ate from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil and the result of the gates of hell being opened up to all mankind. It's a, it's a thinker that's so consumed with things. Some of you, when you go to bed at night, your wheels just grind and you can't sleep. That's why so many people revert to sleeping pills and drugs or check out by scrolling. But if you would meditate on the word of God and rest in your identity, you'd actually have happy, peaceful sleep. The Bible promises it in countless places. But you're living in this world of thinking, and in turn, it's leading you to sitting in darkness. Doesn't mean you shouldn't ponder, but if you're not pondering with, the, with Christ and the word of God, man, that is a terrible road to go down. Terrible road to go down. Psalm 1.1, blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. So there's three words here I want to pop off the screen, okay? Walk, stand, sit. Walk, stand, sit. I was just walking through. I don't know, just browsing around. And then I stopped. And the minute that you stopped was the minute you took a seat. So one, you got to stop walking this way. Get out of the Aerosmith world and walk another way. Understand? Walk another way and stop getting in the path of those that you know are ungodly, don't fear God, don't believe in God. And for some of you, that's going to be getting out of Facebook and social media because it's a world of ungodly, no God-fearing people. And it's consuming you because you can't handle it. The videos that pop up, the stuff that you see, you're living in the world of everybody else and you're not living in your own world of peace and rest. And then when God says flee, you can't flee because you took a seat. So now get yourself up. Let us help get you up. Sometimes you need somebody to pull you up. You know what I was going to call my ministry way back in the day? One arm in the gutter. You like that, right, Troy? One arm in the gutter ministries. And it had two meanings. You're in the gutter, I'm going to reach down and pull you out. 
Or when I prayed for you on the streets on the sidewalk, you got slain out in the spirit and your arm fell in the gutter. So I had to get you out. It was going to be one of those two meanings. Maybe both. So sinners, ungodly, sinners, scornful. Man, there's so much there. And finally, when, when Paul was defending himself with King Agrippa about his word from God, when, that God spoke to him. So in Acts chapter 26, Paul gives some, some discourse about the conversation he had from God when he was blinded by the light on his way to Damascus. You don't get it in the experience, but later, Paul gives us a little bit more insight to what God told him when he got blinded by the light and knocked down to the ground and Jesus showed up. And he says this one powerful thing. He says, God called me to the Gentiles to, and this is what God says, I'm call, actually, God said, I'm calling you the Gentiles, verse 18, to open their eyes in order to turn from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God that they may receive forgiveness of sins and an inheritance among those who are sanctified by faith in me. God has forgiveness for you and God has an inheritance for you. God has a promise for you. He has a family for you. He has a future for you. He has hope for you. Fall back the way it was. I promise you, been there, done that for 27 years, 28 years, 30 years. I'm telling you, repent. I preach everything with the mindset to get you to change the way that you think. And the only way you're going to do that is to surrender your life to Christ. I can inspire you, and I hope you're inspired. Get up and out of that seat. Serve that darkness and eviction notice. That's not your home. And I know it's hard. You know, when we go back to despair, we have a lot of widows in this room. Many people have lost their husbands or their, their wives. I've lost a child and my mom in the same year within months. And I cried and cried and cried and cried. And you know what? I still sometimes find myself sad because I miss them and I love them. But I'm not dwelling in the place of hurt. It hurts, but I'm not living there. Jesus was hurt. Jesus was rejected. Jesus was despised by his own friends and his family and the world he came to give his life for. But guess what? He got up out of that tomb. Jesus is not in the tomb anymore. So get out of your tomb. That's a good message title right there. We'll save that for Easter. That'll be my Easter title right there. You like that? Get out of your tomb. Let's pull that graphic back up. Some of y'all are just sitting in that spot and you're trying to think your way out of it. You're just trying to think your way out of it. You're contriving your plans and scheming, your, scheming and plotting and trying to figure it out. You have no wisdom from God, and in your best day, you're going to do it in your own way. You always had a plan. You always watched your own back. If that's you, we want to pray for you today because you need to get out of that seat. All right? Let's have the prayer partners come up. Let's all stand. All right, let's close our eyes for just a moment. Close your eyes for a moment. Come on, let's stand up. Close your eyes for a moment. You're going to be introspective right now. And you're going to listen. What areas of darkness have you been sitting in? Are you sitting in darkness? Fear, despair, hopelessness? Have you thought about taking your own life? Suicide, your life's not valuable? Angry, apathetic, mad, hurting, broken? Addicted, wronged unto you, loss of a loved one. All those things can happen to, will happen to all of us actually. But guess what? You don't have to stay there. But if you've been stuck there, come up here and let somebody pray for you right now. Come on up. If God had your number today and you're like, man, pastor knew, well, it was God who knew. Get up here now and let somebody pray for you. Please. I'm aggressively, nicely saying, come up here and get prayer because I don't want you leaving out here the same. I need all my prayer partners and team leaders to come. Come on up. Broken marriage, hurting home, hurting in your heart, isolated, lonely, feeling abandoned. If that's any of you and you're, you're, you're feeling distant from God, how about mad at the church? How about mad at leaders? How about mad at Christians? That's you. Get up here. 
and let somebody pray for you. If you need healing, maybe you're sick. Sometimes sickness can bring such despair. Man, I know that one all too well with asthma. If If you have been diagnosed with an incurable disease, that can really bring some despair. So get up out of that place and let somebody pray for you. And while they're praying, I'm gonna pray for you publicly. So let's pray. Jesus, Lord, I just thank you, God, that every hidden area of darkness in our own lives, you remove by the blood and the cross. Anybody here that's not born again, Lord, cause them to surrender all to you. You need to surrender today. You need to surrender today. Don't leave here not knowing Jesus. And Lord, my prayer is that everyone get up out of the seat and run to the light. Run to the light. Run to the light, beloved. Run to the light. That's my prayer, God. And don't let them get away. Don't, no more suppressing the truth with drugs, alcohol, fear, shame. No more suppressing it. And I pray, God, that you would strengthen these families, strengthen the singles to live pure. Strengthen us, God, to keep our eyes on you and get them off of the world. And I thank you, Lord, for strengthening our church, hearing the cries of those that are praying and those that didn't even come today but are hurting still on the inside. Lord, I pray for you. And I pray, God, that they would know you, hear you, and fall more in love with you, and that they would clearly see you and come up and out of that darkness. Let your light shine and pull them out, God. Pull them out. And I bless all of you as you go. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed this message, please subscribe and share it with your friends. And if you want to partner with us in what God is doing here at Rock City, you can give by visiting our website at rockcitycorpus.com slash give.